This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. All right, everybody, let's cut right to the chase on this Rico Bronia. It wraps up a split against the Yankees. It wraps up losing to the Yankees on Wednesday night, a lifeless 3-1 to loss at Yankee Stadium. They didn't hit. Simple as that. They did not hit. There have been many reasons why the Mets have somehow lumbered their way to 47-54. and It's mostly been starting pitching. At times, it's been the bullpen. Sometimes, it's been their defense. On this night in the Bronx, it was all about the offense. Jose Quintana was fine. Yeah, they made some defensive mistakes. You got Jeff McNeil throwing to the wrong base. But to manage one run, against Carlos Radon, who Yankee Stadium was ready to burst up and boo from the get-go, and you had him, especially in that third inning. You had Carlos Radon cooked after he walked Francisco Lindor, and it looked like something was up with his knee. And Pete Alonso hit the ball hard. He just hit it right at the left fielder, Isaiah Conner-Falefa, and that was it. It was amazing. Like, that was their offense was the third inning, and that's it. And being at the game, it was painful to watch. It was also a very dull atmosphere. You know, I've always said this about the Subway Series. The Subway Series has a better atmosphere at City Field. It just does. And I think a lot of that is there's a lot of Yankee fans, though there were a lot of Met fans at Yankee Stadium on Wednesday. So I can't even say it's about the amount of fans that are being there. But maybe it's just the way the game was played, at least in this case. Because in general, I've always felt the Subway Series has more energy at City Field and Yankee Stadium. A lot of times at Yankee Stadium, it feels like just a regular game. While at City Field, it seems to have more of that playoff or World Series environment. It had no environment in this game. And a big part of it was even the Yankees, when they scored their three runs, think about how they scored their runs. Think about how everybody scored their runs in this game. In the second inning, the Yankees are set up with the bases loaded and nobody out. Kyle Higashioka strikes out, and Oswald Peraza hits a ground ball to third that I I can't say was a double play ball because I think it was going to be very tough to turn it, but at least it's a force out. It's either Viento stepping on third for the force, it's Viento's throwing home to get the lead runner, which he really didn't have much of a chance to do, or it was quickly throwing to second base. Viento's moving like a like a snow dot a snow dial a sundial seemed to take forever in fielding that baseball and throwing it to second in which the base runner was safe. That was Anthony Volpe. So the Yankees get their first run on a ground ball to third fielder's choice. They get their second run on a bizarre play where Isaiah Conifalefa hits that little little looper to right field and Jeff McNeil makes a sliding catch. I'm sitting right behind third base. 
I could have sworn to you that Bader left early. Now, watching on TV, I'm sure they showed you replays, and I was wrong. So in one breath, I'm thinking Bader left early. Then you get a bang-bang play at the plate. Where is it possible that Bader's out at home? Buck challenges nothing. He goes out and talks to the umpire real quick. They appeal to play at third, and the third base umpire says, now we're good. He left on time. My eyes, maybe it's my bias eyes. I did have a fruity drink about an hour and a half before, and I hold my alcohol very horribly. So maybe I was a little tipsy. I don't know. It's on the table. But I could have sworn Bader left early. He didn't. That's how the Yankees got their second run. So think about it. RBI fielder's choice, sacrifice fly that was controversial. The Mets get their run on a sacrifice fly, and then the Yankees get a run on an Anthony Volpe hit in which you got guys thrown to the wrong base. That's the offense. So it's understandable, I guess, why Yankee Stadium was so dull for this game. And it really was a, it was just a blah baseball game. Blah. And this offense, which they score four and a half runs a game, which is down from what they did last year. So it's not matching what it did a year ago, but it's not the end-all problem on most nights. But it was on this night because on this night, they got nothing out of Francisco Lindor besides a couple of walks. They got nothing out of Pete Alonso other than hit the ball hard a couple of times. They got nothing out of Tommy Pham. Their three, four, five hitters went a combined 0 for 10. They got nothing. I mean, really, the best hit ball of the game was Danny Mendick's double in the third inning that set them up in having second and third nobody out. And I can't say I knew this at the time, but the third inning really was the game. And I'm sitting there next to Tiki and Sean Morash and Lugie. So it's two Yankee fans and two Met fans. And when Mendick doubles and they've got second and third nobody out, I turn to Lugie and I say, they got to tie this game. Like, what a great response to that shaky second inning where defense really cost them. Go tie this game up. And with second and third and nobody out in the top of the order coming up, you got to do it. Now, this is going to be a weird criticism, Pete. So you want to slap me across the face for it, that's fine. I don't love Mark Vientos batting second. I, I don't. I, I'm glad he's getting a chance to play, and I'm all in favor of that. And after the de- trade deadline, he should probably play more, even against righties. But you've got options like Alvarez, Tommy Pham, even McNeil Lindor 2-3. Mark Vientos has had a couple of nice moments, but really, Mark Vientos in the two-hole? I, I can't argue that. I-, I want to, but I can't. It's like you go from the kid can't play every day. We don't like his at-bats. So, you know, he's not ready yet to, hey, you're in the two-hole. makes zero sense. And I got to be honest, I don't like Alvarez that, that low either. And you're right. The batting at order doesn't really make a much difference, but I don't mind – Alvarez getting those late at bats in the in the in the order. I really do. I I you need it, McNeil, somebody like that. Someone that's you know he's not having a great season, but someone like that that could be more contact hitter. You know. Yeah, I, you know I and I know I said on the last Rico, maybe the Rico before that. I don't get nuts about order. I think it bothers me more when we're talking about the two hole though. When we're talking about leading off or one two three four. Really, I think after that, I don't get nuts about it. As nuts about it, because I do want some protection for my cleanup hitter like Pete Alonso. But situations find you. And in the third inning of this game, after Nimmo sack fly, run around second, one out, two to one game, 
Would I rather have Francisco Alvarez up than Mark Vientos? Yeah. Would I rather have Jeff McNeil up than Mark Vientos, considering McNeil, despite the bad season he's having, has actually had a really good year hitting with runners in scoring position, which is weird, but he has. So that, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. But there's no excuse because after that third inning, when, and so let me take you through what happened, at least for us in the third inning. I thought it was really interesting. So in the middle of the Lindor at bat, Tiki immediately says to us, he's hurt. He hurt his knee. Look at him favoring it. Now, I wouldn't have noticed it. Now I'm looking at it, and he was. And there was a moment, I think it was during that Lindor at bat, where he walked behind the mound, took a deep breath, and it did appear like something was going on with his knee that was aggravating him. He walks Lindor, and the first pitch to Alonzo, because now I'm thinking, you know, I think Tiki sees something here. There's something off about Radon here. But this is your moment. This is your chance to kind of take advantage of it. And I had these visions of Alonzo hitting a bomb. He's starting to wake up. He had two home runs in the previous game. You've got Radon on the ropes if there really is something wrong with his knee. And on the very first pitch, Pete hit the crap out of a baseball. It just went right at IKF, and he just missed hitting what would have been that awesome three-run home run. After that, Radon had his moments of struggling, and the Mets had their opportunity specifically when McNeil got hit straight in the back. We'll get into that in a second. A little bit more on that whole stuff. And he walks Marcana, and Alvarez, which he's prone to do sometimes, bounces into that killer double play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They get 2-1 in the fifth inning against Radon, one with an infield hit that should have been called an error. Peraza's got to make that play. Uh, There is something going on with official scoring this year, and I forget who suggested this first, but there's a conspiracy theory that official scorers are more likely to give hits than errors because they want to bring batting averages up so Major League Baseball can say, see, our rule changes have worked. The batting averages are higher. I believe that conspiracy theory. Like I, I really do, because bro, there's been a lot of those. I mean, this is this ground ball the second by Nimmo was it out and Peraza? It's an error. I don't know what else to say. It's an error. I don't know who started it, but I was listening on the radio because I was traveling at that point in time, and Sterling called it out too. He's like said exactly the same thing that you said. So clearly, this has been rumbling around the baseball league. Hundred percent. This is something, and I, I wish I could give credit to where I saw it a, a few days ago. It's not my conspiracy theory, that's for sure. I'm just buying it, like I'm believing it, you know. And who does it really affect? It affects the pitcher. That's the only person it affects because the hitter prefers it. They get a hit, and the the position player prefers it because they don't get an error. So Oswald Peraza doesn't get an error charge to him. Brandon Nimmo gets a hit he didn't deserve. The only guy annoyed is Radon, but to Radon's credit, he got Lindor to line out right to Peraza, and he struck out Pete in a big spot. And that, and after that, oh my God, turn the lights out. 
They get a two-out hit by Mark Canna in the sixth. That's when Boone decides to go to Michael King, who gets Alvarez out. They go one, two, three in the seventh against Wandy. They go one, two, three in the eighth against Canley. And then one, two, three against Holmes in the ninth inning. And I give Lugie credit. He said it next to me in the sixth. He said, do you think we ever get the tying run to the plate again? And my answer to him was no, because the bullpen will let this game get away. I was wrong about that. The Met bullpen actually came in and got the job done. Drew Smith and Trevor got, not that any of us are going to begin trusting them, but they did come in and at least keep the Yankees at bay. The Met offense did nothing. And it's a similar story to what's happened at times last year, but a lot of times this year. When they don't get anything out of Lindor and Alonzo, the offense goes nowhere. And truthfully, they didn't get offense from anybody. They ended up with only five hits in this game, one of which was a hit that shouldn't have been a hit. So they did nothing. And so if you thought the Tuesday win was going to lead to something, just like we all thought, hey, maybe the Friday win in Boston was going to lead to something, it's basically been the same story over the last few weeks. They may win a game here or there, a couple of games here and there, but they just can't put together a sustained run. And this Yankee team, Yankee fans will tell you this, they're not that good right now. The Mets had an opportunity and they failed. So they've got seven games coming up against Washington and Kansas City, and we could all waste our time talking about, well, can they take advantage of it? What do we really think they're going to do? Because if the Mets went out and won five out of seven, that's not good enough. That's the problem. It's been the problem for a while. Treading water or gaining a little bit of ground is not enough. They need to win all seven. I know that may sound unreasonable and unrealistic, and I'm not saying it is, but that's really what they need to do. Does this loss affect what I've been saying the last couple of days, whether it's on the fan or here on the Rico, that I don't want to completely wave the white flag and trade a guy like David Robertson, which means completely giving up? No, my view does not change. Because unless I'm getting a premium prospect, I don't want to take even the 10% shot that the Mets go on some kind of run. You trade a guy like David Robertson, and that's the guy I'm really harping on because I think he's their most important player where if you trade him, you're dead. You could rationalize Tommy Pham and Mark Hanna all day. Seriously. The Met lineup could, in a lot of ways, be better, technically, if they trade those guys. Like, so I'm not talking about them. You trade David Robertson, it's over. So, no, this loss doesn't change that view. It's just they're stuck in the mud. That's what they are. They're, they're a stuck-in-the-mud baseball team. And as much as you hope they're going to put something together, they haven't done it all year. They haven't put anything together all year, which is almost remarkable that here in late July that's the case. You know, the thing that sucks, too, is that this is could be acceptable. Like what what's happening right now could be acceptable. The June killed them. Going seven and nineteen destroyed them. If they won five more games, five games in June, that would have put them in a spot where they still be on the five hundred, right? But at least they're in the thick of it, and it's more obtainable. They could they have a close like they're only a few games out of the of the uh, the last wild card spot. You're right. They're in a spot now that they can go mediocre the entire rest of the way until the final month of the season, and they still have a shot. You're right. They they need, and I think this is the problem. They need to have the anti June. 
They need to reverse what happened in that terrible month. And to do that, you need a dominant month. And I just don't see it happening. I mean, I, I don't think any of us see it happening. Just because I'm hoping for it to happen. And I go into every game thinking, you know, hopefully this occurs. Doesn't mean you think it's going to happen. 